welcome to the official podcast of FCS Fans Nation with your hosts, Kyler Neal, Matthew Frazee, and Lawrence Smith. FCS football fans nation, we have waited, we have debated, I don't have another rhyming word, but it is time for FCS football playoffs. It is 145 Central on Sunday, the bracket has just been released, the questions have been flowing through on the FCS football fans nation page, myself, Matthew Frazee, the unbiased buys and admin, joined with Mr. Kyler Neal. There is no beer cracking. We're going classy. Kyler with a little bit of Jameson to take the edge off because we have the playoff field set. Kyler, how are you doing, man? Are you ready for playoff football? I am ready. There is zero stress this season in the playoffs for me because my team, of course, didn't make it like I thought they wouldn't. Um, So, yeah, I actually just get to enjoy the playoffs, you know, um, yeah, it should be fun. There, there's actually a lot of good matchups. Yeah, this is, I think I'm, I'm very impressed with how things have fallen. Uh, but let's take a little bit of a, a backseat and go back in time a little bit. We tend to jump over that final week of FCS football uh, because we're already into the playoff stuff and we're excited and we want to talk about it. Let's just BS a little bit, man. Um, if you guys don't know, this podcast is total reaction. So Uh, We're not doing much research on these questions that are coming in from FCS Football Fans Nation on the Facebook page, on our Twitter account. We're just going to blow through them and answer them to the best of our ability. Most of them are playoff-based. So let's be asked a little bit, man, about what happened this last weekend. We kind of talked about how we think things would go mostly chalked. There wouldn't be many upsets. Maybe the seeds were kind of set outside of the brawl of the wild causing chaos. But we got way more things thrown around and way more chaos with teams dropping from Illinois State to South Dakota State to Montana and Montana State. How did you react to the chaos of last weekend leading us up to the committee decision of the day, man? Well, yeah, there was, what, three top ten losses? And, um, you know, last week, prior to all the games being played, it almost looked like the Missouri Valley was going to have a lock to grab four seeds. You know, maybe that one bubble team where there was someone right outside the seed, like a UNI since they lost the week before. You're like, all right, the big sky in the Valley, they're set up for at least three seeds each. Um, then the brawl of the wild happened. And I was like, the only way big sky will get four seeds is if Montana state wins and the rest of the teams win. But I thought Montana had that game pretty much in the bag. Stylistically. I thought they were just the better team. Montana got smoked South Dakota. They got smoked by their rivals. It actually ended up being a close game at the very end where South Dakota was South Dakota state was trying to come back, but they just couldn't do it. Um, and then Illinois state lost. So, so then you're starting to think, man, does the Missouri Valley go from four potential seeds down to only one? North Dakota State was the only one, you know, that actually got a win. And even they struggled a little bit last week versus a, a pretty decent team. So last week was hectic. It was awesome. I actually enjoyed it a lot. Uh, but, but I did not think there would be this much chaos uh, the last week of the season. Yeah, I thought one through seven was going to be simple. And then... Um... I mean, the rivalry factor of the Brawl of the Wild, I, I didn't expect it to be that much of a blowout. And I did pick Montana as well, as most people were. But I, I didn't expect that sort of result. But even outside of the seeds, man, I think seeing like Towson trip up at the end, which pretty much put them out of playoff field, was super shocking. 
Um, we saw Furman get in with finishing off the season with a win over uh, D2 points, but otherwise having you know an 8-4 record, the second SOCON team in. Uh, we just saw some things outside of the seeding conversation also throw everybody for a loop where UND got that final win that pushed them in. Um, it really was an interesting last week, and I think social media was kind of showing that. People were blowing up the page about, holy crap, here goes Montana. Um, you and I now, maybe they come up here, where's Wofford as a seed? We got to look at teams like Monmouth now. We have to look at teams like UCA. It just it opened up so many factors, especially with Illinois State and SDSU losing. Because I think once Montana State won, we still knew both the Montanas would be up there. But that really opened up two spots, and the debate and the guesses were awesome. Like I was scrolling Twitter, scrolling through Facebook, and it was like, here's my prediction. Here's my prediction. And I was seeing different combinations on those last two, three seeds from everybody, which made this super intriguing. So um, I don't want to spend too much time on this last week, but I, I think it's cool to kind of just recap how much chaos actually got us to this point with what the decisions were today. So that being said, Kyler, the committee has made their decision, and we have a ton of questions flowing in uh, from our awesome fans on the page. Uh, initial reactions, man. What are your thoughts on the bracket as you saw it being revealed from the seeds to the, the games in that first round? What do you think about the 24 right off the bat? Overall, the 24, I actually think they did an extremely good job. Um, base, there's only one team off from my 24 to the 24 that they put out. And it was, you know, the team was also in my bubbles who took over for that team. So, so really, I guess 23 of the 24 teams, but then the other teams that got in, they were on my bubble saying these teams probably deserve to be in too. The only one I missed was Towson from the CAA. And I just thought it was because I really thought the CAA would get four no matter what. I was pretty surprised that they got three. But at the same time, I think the, t- the committee did an overall good job because Southeastern Louisiana, I think, deserved it over Towson. Um, I think UND deserved it over Towson, but I was just pretty shocked um, that the CAA didn't get four four teams. But overall, I think the committee did an extremely good job with you know the bracket in general. There's a couple question marks with the seeding, though. Normally, it's the opposite. Normally, I think they do a really good job with the seeding, but then there's a couple question marks on teams that get left out, teams that get put in who maybe don't deserve it. I actually think it's a little bit of the opposite this year where the seedings have some question marks. Um, but overall, the bracket, I think the the 24 teams that deserve to be in there are actually in there this time. Good take, man. Um, I dive into it a little bit more, but honestly, all the questions from our page are really going to guide right into some of those topics I think we can expand on from your statement. And we're going to start right away, man. Brandon Owens, Jacksonville State fan extraordinaire wants to know with both OVC teams getting a first round home game, is it likely that both will win and advance to the second round? Kyler, I want to take the Illinois State at Southeast Missouri game um, because I know Illinois State obviously a little bit. And just kind of looking at last year, what happened with Southeast Missouri, I think Southeast Missouri is 100% going to win that game. Illinois State without Brady Davis, their quarterback, last week they threw six passes, I believe, and had three interceptions. And they obviously got beat by a team Youngstown, who's had major issues this year. So I think Illinois State is really, as if people weren't totally sold on them before, besides their win over SDSU, I think the injury factor is big there at the quarterback position. Um, They have an outstanding, outstanding running back, one of the best in the FCS. But I think Southeast Missouri is going to be hosting that game. We all picked Southeast Missouri to get beat by one of those big-time, big-power 3CAA teams last year with Stony Brook. So I think Illinois State's going to go into Southeast Missouri, and I think they're going to lose. So I think SEMO's going to get that win, and I think that's one of those two 
OVC teams, Brandon, that's going to get through. Uh, Kyler, what do you think about the other matchup with Furman going to be traveling to Austin P? Yeah, surprisingly, the OVC got some favorable matchups in this first round. Um, I think, you know, you've been high on Furman all year. I get they got great recruiting classes that are coming in. Brian McLaughlin said, you know, they were a title contender and they've seemed to regress. You know, they lost to the Citadel. Um, they lost to Wofford and they have seemed to regress. Now they're seven and two versus the FCS. I think the SoCon is overall on par with the OVC this year. I'm not leaning one towards the other on which one's 100% better. I think they're both pretty easy. Um, but computer simulators versus sports, they guess, guess what the spread of this game is? And who, who do you have favored? I'm going to guess between the computer simulation. I'll say that Austin P is favored, and I'll give it 12 points. Oh, no. So they have Furman favored by 1.29 to 28. Um, really? Wow. So so I do think this is a toss-up game. Um, yeah, I, I actually don't know who's going to win this game. If I had to pick one, I would probably pick Furman, even though they are going on the road and traveling to Austin P. But I don't feel comfortable enough betting on this game. This is actually a really favorable game for the OVC in general compared to some of the other matchups that, that we have listed in the first round with, you know, maybe some of the conferences that don't have an auto or, you know, two bid conferences. Uh, but, but yeah, the OVC has a chance to actually go 2-0 and in the first round, which they did last year as well. Yeah, prediction time. I'm going to go, I'm going to give, God, I, I can't go against my dark horse, you know. I have to go with Furman. I've loved them all year. So I'm going to go Furman to win that first round game. And then I'm going to take Southeast Missouri to beat Illinois State. So I'll go one and one on that one, Brandon. I'm going one on one too, but I would not be surprised if the OVC went two and oh in the first round. There you go. OVC, Brandon, with some good representation, man. He has a follow on question, Kyler. He wants to know Does Simo stand a good chance at making it to the quarters in Fargo against North Dakota State? And I think they've got a, I mean, I think they're going to beat Illinois State. And then you go to Central Arkansas, who's the eighth seed. And, I mean, that might be probably your most favorable seed to go to. Um, obviously, that's not a massive travel situation for them. They don't have to go to, like, Montana State or go to California or Weber or JMU. I mean, I think that's the best-case scenario. So chance of them making it, extremely, extremely high. Because it's not like the eight seed is this absolute lock, you know. They're, they're obviously the fringe seed. So if anybody has a chance to get to Fargo there, obviously Central Arkansas or Southeast Missouri State or Illinois State are our only options. And that's got to be your best bet if you are a first-round team. Any disagreement on that, Kyle, or do you think that's favorable for him? I actually think it's favorable for him. I don't think Central Arkansas was in my seeding bubble. Um, I don't think they actually deserved a seed. So if you're talking about out of the eight teams mentioned, which one do I think is the most favorable to beat? I'm going to say Central Arkansas. So, yeah, like you said, the travel's not that bad. Um they're probably the weakest seed in my opinion. So that is a pretty favorable matchup. Yeah, I, I think Simo has a good chance to actually get a seeded upset and go to Fargo. Um, I mean, this and is the best case scenario for Simo. They should be really excited about the bracket they drew until the quarterfinal matchup. But other than that, I mean, they should be pretty pumped. And if you look at Central Arkansas, like let's say, okay, Simo is a playoff team. We agree. Well, Central Arkansas played Southeastern Louisiana, a playoff team, and got, got beat 34-0. And then they played Nichols and got beat 34-14, a playoff team. So, I mean, and then they lost to an FBS Hawaii. So they've lost to playoff teams who people don't say are like the best or like the seeded playoff teams. 
So it's like a perfect scenario for Semo to go in there and do the exact same thing that SC Louisiana and uh, that Nichols did. So honestly, yeah, if, if I'm filling out my bracket today, I'm probably pushing Semo to the quarters. I don't see why not, especially with you're looking at the regular season results of Central Arkansas. That'll be a sexy upset pick, I think. So, uh, Brandon, good for you guys in the OBC. I think it's good stuff right now. So, Kyler, I'm going to throw this one to you, man. Jamie Williams, our awesome James Madison fan, uh, stats voter extraordinaire, wants to know the biggest shock of the bracket and which unseated team makes the quarters. We may have just answered that one there with, you know, Southeast Missouri State. But who's the biggest shock of the bracket for you, man? I think it's South Dakota State being a, a you know a top eight seed. I, I don't think they're deserving of a top eight seed. You know, their last last night was not an impressive loss. They lost to a team with a losing record. I get it's a rival, but they have three FCS losses. No one else does in this seeded category. And I think there are a couple teams outside the seeds that deserve a seed, you know, over South Dakota State. Um, especially now that you're looking at South Dakota State, who's a very injured team. I'm not even sold. You know, they get past their first game. Even if it is San Diego or Northern Iowa, I'm not positive that they get past that first game. So overall, that's my biggest shock because I think all the 24 teams deserve to be in the playoffs that made this. But but ultimately, yeah, South Dakota State, in my opinion, should not have been a seeded team. I think the Valley should have only got one seed with how last week or last night's games um, ended up. And then the question was, which team do I think has the best shot at making a quarterfinal run? Yeah, absolutely. Of, of those first, you know, the non-seeded teams, who's going to hit those that quarterfinals? Yeah, I, I mean, I would say SEMO probably has the best bet, but I wouldn't count out Villanova. I get, you know, if they win and beat Southeastern Louisiana, which is a tough game in general, they would have to go to Montana, and playing at Montana is a whole different beast. So... I don't see many opportunities outside of SEMO, but if I had to pick like a dark horse team, maybe even you and I, because I do think how injured South Dakota State is, if you and I can get past San Diego, which they should, um, they have a chance to beat South Dakota State as well. I'm going to say, why not Wofford at Weber State? Because we've seen Weber State, Weber State has never gotten past the quarterfinals, and I know they're a good team. But don't they play that similar style where it's going to be defense and ground control and this and that? Now, I know Weber could try to stop the triple offense and Wofford's expanded a little bit more into the passing game. So why not Wofford go into Weber and pull in an upset? You know, I, I could see that as a possibility. Um, and then obviously, Simo's a, a good possibility for me as well. And I love your UNI pick because South Dakota State and them with a rematch that UNI already lost, that's going to be tough for South Dakota State, I think. Yeah, I actually like your Wofford, you know, Kennesaw State possible upset pick um, just because styles make for matchups. And you're right. You know, this I was watching Wofford play um, yesterday versus Citadel. Uh, and, you know, we do have a triple triple option team in the big sky. But I was noticing the difference between the two types of triple option teams. Wofford seems to rely on a lot more athleticism, athleticism and speed where Cal Poly really really does power when they're just trying to run up the A gap with their fullback. Wofford is a little more versatile in their triple option. And Weber's a really good defense. They're aggressive on their D line, but all it takes is one missed tackle and Wofford could break away. If you're talking about a team that maybe stylistically matches up well with one of the seeds, Wofford probably has the best shot um, out of any of those first round teams to beat a, a Weber state type team. So I actually do like your pick. I don't think they will beat Weber, but I do like it, and I wouldn't overlook that. Awesome, man. Yeah, I think those are some quality plays and quality options there, Jamie. So definitely 
check into uh, recap this podcast to see if we're accurate on any of these, man. Uh, Kyler, Casey Thompson wants to know how much of a ratings boost should the Natty get with the move from ESPN, the Ocho to ABC, <laughs> obviously not the Ocho, but a funny joke there from Casey. Do you think we're going to see a big ratings increase if we see a quality matchup there? I really do. And I do think ABC being on, you know, that's a primetime network instead of ESPN two or ESPN U, whatever it was on last year. Um, yeah, having it on ABC is huge. I do think there'll be a giant ratings increase, especially if it is like a Montana, North Dakota State, a James Madison, you know, a perennial type um, name brand team. So I, I do think the ratings will be big, but unfortunately, it's still early in the day and everyone's getting ready for their NFL playoffs. <laughs> so so people are doing their chores early. You know, I, I don't anticipate us, you know, jumping up pretty high and being like one of the one of the big time bowl games in terms of national viewer, but we should get an increase in the amount of views this year compared to being on ESPN2. Yeah, if you've just got basic channels and then you're doing streaming services, that seems to be popular now in America, So, or around the world, really. Um, why not just flip into a football game that is on ABC in comparison to not having access to an ESPN 1 or 2 or something? So I think that's a good, good advantage for the FCS being on ABC. It'll be fun to see who's actually there. We'll be there, the admins, no matter what. Kyler? Joshua Hoffman, big South Dakota State fan, so he's obviously not mad. He'll take the bracket. <laughs> but what's the, what is the most fun game to watch this weekend? And I'm going to go with a little. I mean, it's not really sexy or off key because we don't we have a small amount to pick from. I'm going to go Albany and Central Connecticut State because I've really enjoyed looking into Albany. They have their young quarterback, six five, two hundred and twenty one. Pounds. This is definitely the year of the redshirt freshman quarterback because he is a redshirt freshman. Jeff, let me get this last name right. Undercuffler? Yeah, I don't yeah. even butcher that one. Jeff Undercuffler, um, 32 touchdowns, not counting yesterday's game. I didn't see his stats from yesterday. I think he's a real good stud. Albany's had a good year, and they're going to play Central Connecticut State, who only has one loss on the season, but their strength of schedule is really weak. I think that's a clash of young CAA team meets um, typical team people say, well, they don't play anybody. And I think that's going to be a fun clash. So Albany and Central Connecticut State, if you can catch that on a service, Joshua, I'm going to go with that one. Tyler, of, of the other games, what is yours to say this is going to be a fun, good matchup to watch? I'm actually kind of bummed that the two te- the two games like I'm most excited to watch actually play at the exact same time. Um, I think Southeastern Louisiana versus Villanova is going to be a great game. Villanova is kind of what I see as the second best team in the Big Sky this year. Now I get Albany's ahead of them in their you know actual Big Sky uh, rankings or standings, but I think Villanova is a better team. And then Southeast. Yeah, Kyler, Kyler, Villanova has not moved to the Big Sky yet. They're still. Did I say Big Sky? Ah, ah, well. Uh, yes. You're, you're, <laughs> guys, we, we warned you. The Jameson is involved on both ends here. So you no prep warned. time. Um, I'm just overall excited. No prep time. But, but yeah, no Villanova in the CAA standings. I apologize on that, guys. Um, I'm a Big Sky guy. No, Villanova is not in the Big Sky. Um, but I'm excited for that game because Southeastern Louisiana, they've actually looked really good in a lot of their big-time primetime games. And Villanova, I think, drew one of the harder teams for the first round. So I'm excited to watch that. But I'm also excited to see this triple option versus triple option team. You know, Wofford versus Kennesaw. The bend break. You know, which one will bend, which one will break. Uh, we get to see which one is the better triple option team. I'm, I'm actually excited for this matchup, and I hate watching triple option. But I think... These two teams going at it, 
and maybe they are I, I, I don't even know really who to bet on. I would probably bet on Wofford just because I think their overall better in Kennesaw is, is a little bit down this year. But in a game like this where they're both running the same system, you know, it's going to, they should be prepped for each other. It will be a really fast game as there's not going to be many, many drop passes since they probably won't be many passes at all. So I'm actually excited to watch that game. Yeah, the, all those options are going to be good ones for you, Joshua. Uh, you know, it's going to depend on streaming services and availability with a Thanksgiving holiday, but there's going to be some fun first-round matchups for you, bud. Kyler, um, I'm going to let you kind of have this one. Uh, Hall Jones wants to know, who's the biggest threat on each side of the bracket that could stop James Madison or NDSU being in the final? Who do you think? Give me uh, two teams from each side that you think could stop things. Well, this is going to seem pretty homerish, but I think – on each side of the bracket, only the Big Sky teams have a chance to beat James Madison and NDSU. So um, I do think the winner of Montana versus Weber State, if it does play out that way, if Villanova can't upset maybe Montana if they make it to the second round, I think either of those teams have a better shot to beat James Madison than anyone else on their side of the bracket. Unfortunately, that's a lot of travel that goes along. And then for North Dakota State side, I think a really healthy Sac State um, – with a very mobile quarterback coached by Troy Taylor. I don't know if you North Dakota State fans remember Troy Taylor, but he was the quarterback coach who helped Gage Gubrud, you know, break pretty much NDSU's home records for, you know, an away team visiting, whereas, what, 45 points or something ridiculous like that that he had in the Fargo Dome. He is the coach. He's a first-year coach there, and he is making Kevin Thompson look like a genius. So I think Sac State has the best shot on... Uh, North Dakota State side of the bracket to potentially give an upset. But then I also think Montana and Weber State has a best shot on James Madison's side. Yeah, Lawrence isn't here to go JMU, so I'm going to take uh, your word for it on that side of the bracket. As a North Dakota State fan, I am going to say Montana State and Montana State only as a team that is going to make me nervous. I base it off historical repeats within the Fargo Dome. Um, teams that come in and get their absolute ass kicked the first time around in the playoffs um, they do way better the second time around because they're used to the environment. They know what to expect. They seem more motivated. Uh, go back and look at Coastal Carolina, who came in and got whooped, and the next year was an eight-point game where NDSU barely got by them in 2014. Look at Georgia Southern, who got destroyed in 2011 and then came back in 2012, and that was one of the closest games the Fargo Dome has seen. South Dakota State is a, also a really good example. So if Montana State gets back in the Dome, and their hype video to start the season was that embarrassing loss in the second round against us last year, uh, expect them to be ready, prepared, and I think they're a better team this year than they were last year. So I think Montana State, big threat for North Dakota State on that side of the bracket. Um, I think Sac State, good team, but newer. Welcome to the Dome for the first time. Not going to worry me as much as Montana State. That's my biased opinion. So, so. I just judge Sac State this year. All of their stats resemble Eastern Washington of last year. Um, offensive and defensively versus the FCS. Their stats are almost identical, especially, you know, when Kevin Thompson is playing and Sac State is healthy. There's a couple games where he was not playing and that kind of hurt the stats a little bit. But when he has been healthy, they have been almost identical to Eastern Washington of last year. And I don't see them getting too riled up. I mean, UC Davis didn't get riled up for their first time in the Dome um, this year. And it's it's kind of that same situation. But I don't see Montana State beating Sac State again. Sac State kind of put it to them this year. And I think stylistically, they just, they're better overall than Montana State. I, I don't think Montana State can keep up with Kevin Thompson in that offense. So I would say, really, Sac State's probably going to head to the Dome. 
But who knows? It is their first year in the playoffs. Maybe maybe Furman can upset them or something ridiculous like that. Maybe they get a little nervous, like you're saying, or come to the Dome and be nervous. But stylistically, I think Sac State is the only really question mark for MDSU on that side of the bracket. It will be interesting. We'll have to see who ends up there. And if North Dakota State actually gets to that point, you never know what can happen in the playoffs. Kyler, Danny Johnson wants to know, big Southeastern Louisiana fan, she wants to know, what was it that sold the committee on the Lions deserving a home game? She's glad they got it and would have hated to go to Villanova much rather than have them in our backyard. So it's not as much as the committee giving it to you, Danny. Kyler, do you want to explain a little bit about that bidding system? Yeah, so, so and maybe I'm wrong on this, but I believe uh, they actually, you know, get to figure out who they're playing and they actually all bid on home games. So whoever bids more money typically ends up getting the home game. So that's why when you're seeing like a central Connecticut state, they have to go to Albany. It's because Albany bid more. You'll never see a team like Montana go on the road um, because they will bid more than the other team. At least that's my impression of how it works. Correct me if I'm wrong, but but I believe it's all of a money thing. You are 100% correct. The only thing I'm unsure on, Danny, and for you, Kyler, is if that bid is put in at the end of the regular season or if it's put in to start before the season even begins. I'm not sure which one it actually is. Like, yeah, I don't, I don't know either. There's definitely a minimum bid, I believe, from the Hero Sports guys in their podcast. They mentioned it. Like, everybody has to pay, like, you know, your minimum bid, you have to put, like, 33000 or something like that. So, like, NDSU, who may be very confident that they're going to not have to worry about going on the road, probably always puts 33000 Or maybe they put more. I don't know. I don't know what the strategy is behind it. But to, to not spend too much time on this topic, Danny, it's all about money. Uh, what the NCA can do to make money so they don't lose money on um, setting these games up and things like that. It's all about the Benjamins. So good on your administration, good on your uh, athletic department and your donors to say, we're willing to put up more in case we make it because that's going to give us a better chance for our team to be successful. So that really is, it's a team concept in terms of everybody within the organization, even more than the football team to get that home game. So credit to the Lions. I mean, Good job. I mean, you're hosting now because you, you did the right move and you made the right call. So good stuff. Kyler, Jay, Jay Tyus, all, all they say is go Big Sky, West Coast, Best Coast. Good shout out, Jay. There you go. I got. It's not really a question, but I got a shout out for you. I mean, you got four seeded teams. Nothing wrong with that. Um, Casey Thompson wants to know, Kyler, if North Dakota advances, how early in the first quarter will, will the Hawk mascot pull out the Let's Play Hockey sign? Uh, not really a question, but uh, kind of more throwing shade. Casey, if you guys didn't catch this, UND was getting kicked by NDSU early in the season, and the mascot drew drew up in permanent marker a sign that said "Play us in hockey" or "Let's play hockey," and like held it up to the NDSU fans. It was super embarrassing for the Fighting Hawks team. Um, and yes, if UND end up ends up going to Fargo, Casey, I think North Dakota State's going to kick their butts. So. Kyler, what do you think the committee considered when seeding SDSU? Kale Wilson wants to know this. Um, this is kind of the shocker. How do you think they came to that determination? Was it the UNI victory that maybe pushed it over, or what other factors are we looking at? So, so yeah, before I dive into this, let me say, and I've already said it in the beginning of the podcast, I am not a fan of this pick. I don't think they were deserving. I actually don't think the Missouri deserve more than one team in the seeding. But that being said, my guess is the committee, there's two reasons. The committee wanted two Missouri Valley teams as their four teams in the playoffs. They probably thought the Missouri Valley is the best overall conference and they deserved two seeds. So they were probably comparing South Dakota State and you and I to make that last decision on who would get the seed. Uh, both have three FCS losses. 
South Dakota State obliterated you and I. It was like a 30-point win. So they they got the head-to-head. They probably got to see it. The other thing is South Dakota State is still the team who played North Dakota State the best. Now, it's a rivalry game. They get up for it. I, I kind of say this game does not matter that it doesn't really show that South Dakota State's the number two team in the country like most, most North Dakota State fans seem to think. Um, just because you play your rival close does not mean you are the best team in the country if North, North Dakota State is number one. But I think playing a close game with North Dakota State, the closest game on the season, I do think that was a big factor into grabbing one of those seeds as well. But I do not think it is deserving. I would put about four to five teams above South Dakota State who deserve a seed over South Dakota State. So um, I don't I don't really know what the committee was thinking in this, just besides those are the, the two only factors I can see why they would put South Dakota State ahead. Yeah, it's it's got to be that you and I factor. I don't. I mean, is it quality loss? It's it's or is there just no other options? But still at seven, I mean, are they trying to avoid them from meeting NDSU in the quarters again at an eight seed? Uh, does UCA? I'm not sure. It's it's a lot of factors of okay. Is there nobody better to replace? Is are we looking at? Do we just think South Dakota State's that good? Do we not know that? Jabor Gibbs is out and their backup quarterback in the offense has drastically struggled. USD is, that is a terrible loss. Screw the rivalry factor. That's a terrible, terrible loss. And if, if South Dakota State had won yesterday, I don't think, it, it, maybe some people are saying, whoa, seven's too low because, you know, you don't have that last bad taste in your mouth. They beat you and I, you know, I think, I think South Dakota State being seated is really bad. And this is coming from a North Dakota State fan that Literally, this benefits us. We, we don't get to see them. They're on the opposite side of the bracket. They're not getting to Frisco, in my opinion. So, I mean, as a biased fan, turn it on. Yeah, yeah, woo. As an unbiased, I'm like, what the heck? So, I think that's a big head scratcher. I think you could have looked at other teams like Wofford. Um, and, and people are screaming at me, well, Wofford would get killed by South Dakota State. But it's about resume and what you've done. And you go to USD and lose like that. Wofford, Monmouth. Yeah, Monmouth could have had an opportunity out there. I. Nova. There, there's so many teams that have a better resume, like you just said, over South Dakota State right now, just because the South Dakota State has three FCS losses. No other seeded team does. There's a lot of teams that have a similar strength of schedule and maybe even a less strength of schedule, but way less FCS losses. And yeah, I, I don't like it. Yeah, it's it's weird. And it kind of answers Dustin Helton's first of his three questions. Kyler, he asks about SDSU getting the seed. So hopefully Dustin, that kind of covers that part. Um, he has a little bit of a funny here because it's only funny because it's kind of true, but at the same time, it's not going to happen this year. He says, can JMU beat a potential Patriot league team matchup in round two, given those struggles in previous postseasons? I know with Colgate in 2015, knocking him out in James Madison and then Colgate on the road last year beating JMU. But if Holy Cross gets by that first round, this is a James Madison team, very similar to what we saw back in the day in 2000, back in the day, like it's a long time ago. Back in 2017, they're going to be focused. They're locked in. They are definitely not going to lose that game. So, Dustin, I think with James Madison, they're going to be just fine. They're not going to lose the Holy Cross or in that second-round matchup. And then you finally asked, can you point out that the flagship U in North Dakota was outbid by Nichols or, as you call them, the Swamp People? Hmm, interesting. Um, yeah, once again, that's just because UND obviously didn't put enough money up there, and you're going to see Nichols with that home game, and we'll see what happens out of that. That should be a pretty intriguing matchup. Southland meets Independence, soon to be Missouri Valley. Kyler, I have a great question here for you. Alexander Peterson wants to know which team are you more shocked about being in the bracket? Any any of all those teams, 
Were any of you in shock that SDSU was still seated with their third-string quarterback? We've kind of already covered that with you, Alex. We, we think SDSU, it's a complete shock that they are in the bracket right now as a seated team. Um, but what about anybody else, Kyler? Kind of those last four in, last four out. And looking at the committee and who they actually said, Furman, Illinois State, Kennesaw, and UND were your last teams in. And your first teams out were UNH, South Carolina State, uh, Southern Illinois, and Towson. Any shockers there for you? So I was um, I was really thinking the committee would put Southern Illinois in there, even though I did not personally think they would be deserving, just because they have an FBS win, and the simple rating system gives you more, more points for an FBS win. I really thought they would get pushed above UND, if I'm being honest, even though I did not think Southern Illinois um, was deserving of the bid. But uh, yeah, I really thought they would be in the playoffs, even with that FBS win. Um, even though that FBS team UMass is ranked 100 spots below the D2 team Eastern Washington played Lindenwood. That's how bad this FBS team is. So I think the committee did a great job actually analyzing the resume, and they knew that that was not actually a quality win. So I'm not shocked that anyone is out of the playoffs or in the playoffs. I actually think the committee did an overall probably one of the best jobs we have seen in picking the full 24 teams. I'm actually really, really pleased with the four, full 24 teams that have made the playoffs. Valley fans are really upset about Southern Illinois, but at the end of the day, you beat UMass as an FBS. You played really good against North Dakota State, which I think is where most of the heat is coming from. But you didn't have, I believe the committee stated on the program that like three of their losses were the playoff teams and they didn't have a win against a team in the field. And I mean, that's a pretty easy argument to make. Be like, you didn't beat anybody in the field. Now, some will argue against Kennesaw being in there, but Kennesaw had 10 wins, but they'll say, well, those wins were easier. There, you know, there's a lot of different factors in splitting hairs, but um, well, overall, if, I think their selection's pretty good. If North Dakota State is, you know, bummed that Southern Illinois didn't make the playoffs and they thought they were deserving because they played you guys close, well, then UC Davis, who had three wins in the Big Sky, deserves to be in the playoffs too because they played you guys closer than southern illinois did so i'm just saying the big sky deserved 12 teams in the playoffs if you think southern illinois deserve to be in <laughs> yeah they i mean at the at the end of the day you control what you control so if you don't put yourself in that position where you allow the committee to make a decision then you don't have to worry about it and southern illinois put themselves in a position where the committee was allowed to decide off of the factors they determined that were important so and they just had no good wins. They didn't have any bad losses. So that's where there's like arguments between Southern Illinois. Um, you know, they did not have any bad losses, but they also did not have any good wins. And I am glad the committee this year really analyzed wins um, to make a decision. You know, when you don't have one playoff win on your resume and that that's a team who made the playoffs, then do you really deserve to be in? Yeah, absolutely. Great point there, sir. Kyler, we do have some teams that did get in, obviously, and some of them are looking for their first playoff team playoff win ever with FCS football. And we have Mammoth, Central Connecticut, Sac State, Holy Cross, Austin P, UND, and Albany. This is from Jacob Martinez. Nice research, Jacob. Following teams have never won a playoff game before. Who all are most likely going to get their first this season? Um, I think Sac State is almost a for sure lock. Uh, Monmouth obviously is going to be playing in the first round. They're going to be playing against Holy Cross should have an excellent opportunity for Monmouth to win. So I would pick Monmouth to win that game. So I'll give them as well. Uh, Central Connecticut. I'm, I'm going to go with Albany. I've been high on Albany. So I'm going to say no to Central Connecticut. Kyler, do you, um, since I've already knocked out Central Connecticut and Holy Cross has no's, Monmouth and Sac State says yes. What about Austin P who plays Furman, UND who plays Nichols, 
And uh, I guess I took Albany beat Central Connecticut. Any disagreements or what do you think about especially Austin P and UND? Yeah, so if I had to pick, you know, the two locks, I would agree with your two locks of Monmouth and Sacramento State. But as for Austin P, they have a chance to beat Furman. I'm not going to count Austin P out. I will probably pick Furman to win that game, but I won't count Austin P out. Um, North Dakota, they have a shot to beat Nickel State. I will probably bet on Nickel State, but I'm not going to count out North Dakota in that game. Um, so yeah, I, I think I think your locks are dead on. Um, but there are some other favorable matches for, matchups for those first, you know, those teams looking for their first playoff whenever. You know, it's going to be fun to see. It's going to be fun to see who is able to actually pull those off. Kyler, we have some time for some speed rounds because the questions are flying in. Thanks to everybody who asked those questions that we identified as ones we really, really wanted to get to. But now we're going to move into some quick ones, man. So first ones first. We got a little troll ones, a little smack talk already starting. But we're going to start with a uh, easy fly. What is the best chili recipe for FCS playoff football? Hall Jones wants to know, Kyler. He's going to be doing tailgating. What's the best chili recipe, my friend? Man, I live – I'm not a chili fan, uh, especially if you put beans in your chili. Just put a whole bunch of meat and sausage, and then I will be okay with that. But if you put beans in your chili, get that crap out of here. I'd rather drink oil. I am so with you, and uh, Dustin Helton wrote underneath, no beans no matter what. No beans, Hall. Go with all the meat and all the sauces, all the spices. Leave the beans out of the chili. Enjoy the playoff tailgate, man. Christopher M. Well, it's a it's a good thing that I got here when I oh did. Oh my because... gosh, ladies and gentlemen, this guy, boys and girls, it is D. Law Lawrence Smith joining us on the FCS Football Fans Nation page. Pull up another Jameson, my friend. How are you? I'm doing well. I uh, I uh, was disappointed to see that you guys had already started this. Uh, <laughs> just got off of work uh, but uh haven't even had time to look at the bracket yet but i am here and uh ready to defend beans and chili oh you, man lawrence jmu got montana first round thanksgiving weekend yeah they didn't, they didn't even get seated man <laughs> and and he left he's like i'm not gonna deal with this type of stupidity right when i get off work <laughs> yep he doesn't even want to deal with it Lawrence, we'll throw you in in some of these awesome speed round questions, man. Really happy to have you back. Uh, sorry for the the uh, quick start of the show. We had to get things going for some instant reaction on this committee stuff. Kyler, over under two and a half two and a half hours for KSU versus Wofford. The triple option teams, Preston Adams wants to know, over under two and a half hours. Oh, man, I think I'm actually going to go with the under. I think it's going to be right around a two-hour game, maybe two and a half with TV commercial breaks, but this is going to be a pretty quick game. I'll go slightly over. Um, Southern Illinois also ran very slow plays, and NDSU didn't like go up-tempo by any means, and that one still took a little over 240. So I'll, I'll go a little bit over on that one and disagree on you. So, Kyler, who is the biggest turkey who got an at-large bid? Joe Gass wants to know. I'm not sure if I get the reference a little bit, but biggest turkey, who do you think for an at-large bid? Man, I, I keep saying this. I don't think any of the teams that got in the playoffs, well, let me rephrase that because I don't think there's 24 deserving teams to be in the playoffs. But out of 24 teams, I actually think they picked all the right teams to make the playoffs. So I don't think there's a turkey who did, you know, made the playoffs. I think the committee did an overall exceptional job picking the 24 teams to represent the playoffs. Awesome. One that I just have to absolutely 
uh, hound away. When when will ESPNU actually get good announcers to do the selection show? Um, this is from Joe Hanstein. Uh, Joe, you know, I think for ESPN, a good hour of FCS football, honestly, I, I can appreciate it. I, I kind of take the opposite route on this. Sure, they get some small things wrong, and they say the smallest tweaks that us experts know that they don't. But I think the selection show overall is pretty solid on ESPNU. And I'm actually going to – it's an unpopular opinion of mine. Tyler, do you think ESPNU is doing a good job? Or do you think they need to switch it up a bit? Um, well, yeah, just quick question. Lawrence, are you on still? I am. All right, so we will ask you questions. But I actually, yeah, I'm a fan. I, I just like how they have a show dedicated to the FCS on selection. So I'm not going to complain about who the announcers are. Um, you know what? They have a show. There's a 30-minute-plus segment on the FCS. Let's let's stop bitching about it and just be happy that there is some type of segment for us. Absolutely. And I'm glad you're back, Lawrence, because I want to talk about this a little bit. There's quite a few questions. Um, I can't get to everybody who's kind of asking the same thing. They're asking about North Dakota State and James Madison and the routes. And I received a little pushback, honestly, for my opinion on this, which is I think NDSU's route is substantially easier and looks on paper more beneficial than James Madison's. And and I get James Madison say James Madison fans going, no, or come on, I, I like our bracket. This is fine. That's actually the most blowback I've gotten. And the reason I think JMU fans are saying that is because their team is really damn good and they shouldn't feel threatened by really anybody. Um, but if you told me on one side of the bracket there's taking JMU out of it, here's South Dakota State, Montana, Weber State, UNI, and then on the other side it's North Dakota State, Montana State, Sacramento State. I mean – I know there's tons of other teams and people are going to be offended. I'm not bringing them up. I just think James Madison's looks way tougher, very similar to the 2017 brackets. Am I wrong, Lawrence, or are you happy with how the draw went? Have you got a chance to really look into it? Uh, I I pulled it up, so I'm looking at it now. Um, and I agree with you. The, the James Madison side of the bracket is definitely tougher. That being said, North Dakota State is the one seed. They're theoretically supposed to get the easier side of the bracket. So... You know, I don't think either one is anything to, you know, pass off. I think there are quality teams on both sides. But I think North Dakota State and JMU should both be prohibitive favorites to come out of their sides of the brackets. You know, but again, they're the one seed and the two seeds, so that's what you should expect. Yeah, I, I think JMU side is definitely harder. And when you look at it, so, you know, they have the Big Sky Champs. They have the second best CAA team in which I think is Villanova over Albany. I get Albany as ahead of the standings. You know, they have the second and third best Missouri Valley team. They have the best SoCon team. They have the best Big South team. <laughs> like their side of the stack is just tougher. And I, I don't think people can argue it. Um, but James Madison is damn good, like you said earlier. So yeah, their fans shouldn't be overall worried because they look like, in my opinion, the, the you know, the title favorite. Do you think, Lawrence, do you think that it's more of in 2017, JMU was the one and their side was clearly substantially tougher and North Dakota State was the two and they had a much simpler route? Do you think this year it's more like, well, we're the two or um, do you just think we're elite status and we're not really going to worry about it? Well, I think the thing to remember is in 2017, the Missouri Valley was very, very good just as an entire conference. So with the regionalization that we see, um, 
it, it's going to sound counterintuitive because you're going to think, oh, you know, the Valley's tough, so we got to put all of those teams in North Dakota State's bracket. But correct me if I'm wrong, that was the first year that they were like, no, we have to separate the the conferences. So some teams that would probably have been in North Dakota State's bracket, you know, in 2016 or 2015, got pushed over to JMU's side that year, making it a little bit tougher just because that conference was so good that year. Yeah, that's when they started applying the whole, we need to make sure that these people aren't doing repeats and they figured out all those things. And that's probably what caused some of that chaos. But it is interesting to see kind of the dynamic of people aren't as worried about it. And it might just be that we're recognizing there may be a much bigger drop off in comparison to 2017 in comparison to right now. We'll have to see how it plays out though. Uh, Kyler, you're the big sky guy. Um, Kelsey's awesome man, Aaron, wants to know, Based on comments last week, we all know Montana is the best team ever. And looking at the other side of the bracket, who will Montana play in the championship? He's throwing a little bit of shade there. Uh, what do you think about Montana, honestly, with their chances in their current spot and, you know, with a chance at Frisco? Well, since everyone on the left side of the bracket sucks, besides <laughs> Montana State, I'm going to say it's the brawl of the wild in the championship. Oh, dang. <laughs> it's not going to happen. Not going to happen. So the Eastern Washington fans are coming out in full, and they are saying Montana has no shot. Uh, I think it's going to be tough for it not to be Weber State in Montana in the quarters, right? Unless we see like a Wofford upset down there in Utah or something. I think Montana is going to have a tough time if they do get to Weber to beat Weber on the road. I get like Montana crushed them at home, but that was that was um, their quarterback from Weber. He had a bad injury. Their running back wasn't playing. He was injured. So like Weber, when they're healthy, is just a different team. And playing at Weber, they've only lost three games in the last four years total. And one of them has been to a semifinal team. The other ones are, are in higher elevation. So if Montana does have to travel to Weber, I think that is a tough game for Montana. Yeah, Montana's going to have a tough go at things uh, trying to get to Frisco. They're going to get that home game in round two. But other than that, um, you know, assuming the the higher seed wins out in each game, you know, having to go play, you know, I'm going to go ahead and guess that Villanova comes out of that game and goes to Montana. So for the Grizz to have to play Villanova, then Weber State, and then JMU, and then whoever makes it to Frisco, cough, cough, North Dakota State. It, it's going to be a really tough road for, for the Grizz. And like I've been saying for a couple weeks now, whenever the topic has been brought up, We've seen it time and time again this year. Montana is not a great first quarter team. Sometimes they're not a great second quarter team. And they've relied on their second half, their ability to make adjustments and come back to to win a few games this year. If you do that against a team like Weber State or James Madison or North Dakota State, your game's going to be over at halftime. You're not; Those teams aren't going to let you come back, much like we saw Montana State do. Kyler, I know you said going into halftime on Saturday of that game, you said, oh, I don't know if Montana State did enough in the first half to hold them off. Yep. And they came right back out in the second half and put their uh, put their foot on the Grizz's throat and, and just took the game over. It also showed how poorly the Grizz are, not how poorly they are, but how they are not the same team on the road as they have been at home. And this has been the last five years. You know, I'm pretty sure the last four to five years, they actually have a losing record on the road. And the two teams that they played playoff caliber teams on the road this year, Sac State and Montana State, they just got dismantled. You know, they they weren't competitive games. So 
having Montana be on the road to Weber than, you know, potentially James Madison, if they get past Villanova or Southeastern Louisiana, that's tough. And I do not favor the Grizz on their side of the bracket. It is going to be very tough for Montana to get there, but it's going to be tough for pretty much everybody because when you have a real 2014 playoff, it makes things super difficult. Hopefully that answers some of the questions that Christopher Johnson and uh, Jacob Martinez had in regards to NDSU, James Madison, and, and the sides of the bracket. We had quite a few of those that all kind of ran together overall. Guys, Mark Klug wants to know, what is the seeded team most likely to lose to an unseeded team? I'm throwing a twist in here, guys. Um, South Dakota State wins in the second round, and so does Central Arkansas. So this is our hypothetical. Both those teams, the 7 and 8, have won. Pick one of the top six seeds that is most likely to get upset in round one or round two. Kyler, who would you say Weber, Montana, Montana State, Sac State, NDSU, or James Madison most likely to trip up in round two? What do you think? Well, that's a that's a bummer that you know you took the two seeds. I do think we'll lose in the first that, game. <laughs> that was too, it's too easy. You know that that's too easy. Let's let's go big on this one. Um, I actually think it will be between the Montana or Weber State game, to be honest. I think Villanova is probably the best team who did not get seeded. Um, and I think just stylistically, if Wofford can beat Kennesaw, you know, Wofford does create some problems for a Weber State type of team. So I would say, you know, it, it's probably actually going to be Montana or Weber State that have the best shot to lose, even though I would not bet on any of them losing at home to those teams. Lawrence, one through six. You got to pick one, buddy. Who would you take to get upset in round two, man? I agree with Kyler. Villanova is the best team that didn't get a seed. Um, I think they match up well with Montana. Going into Washington Grizzly Stadium will be a, a tough out for Villanova, but that would be the most likely in my mind. And I gave mine earlier, guys. I said we did some dark horses, and I said Wofford could go in and, and beat Weber State just because of a matchup situation. So those will be some interesting ones. We'll see if any of those come to fruition. We'll have to see. Uh, Lawrence, Christopher Johnson wants to know, is there a good streamer making company that you can suggest that I invest in? Ooh, for the James Madison fan, uh, any good streamer companies out there that you're aware of that you 100% should put some stock into for this playoff run for James Madison? Yeah, whichever company the uh, Dollar Tree uses. <laughs> is that where JMU goes for those uh, the streamers? Is that their go-to? Uh, I don't know where the the ones that the university supplies come from, but that's where I go. There's actually supplied ones from the university. Is that no, no crap. I didn't know that. Yeah. So um, what they do is they bring in giant trash bags full of them and they used to just stand at the entrances to the stadium and like you could come by and, you know, grab as many as you could carry. They, they do it different. Now they send the cheerleaders out before the game and distribute them through the stands. Um, you know, they'll, they'll stand down at field level and toss them into, into the, the lower section. Um, but yes, the, the university hands out streamers. That is, that's really cool. Um, I, it's awesome that the university backs such a really cool tradition. Uh, James Dorsey guys had a question for us too, about dark horses. Um, he had asked it in previous podcasts. Kyler and I kind of gave our opinions on this. Lawrence at first glance, let's just get yours individually to answer James Dorsey. Uh, what's a dark horse in here that you could see making a really good run uh, let's let's say almost all the way to the semis, quarterfinals. I'm going to go with either. I'm going to give you three options. Like I said, Villanova. I think they have a good chance to uh, make it to the quarterfinals, at least against Weber State or Wofford or Kennesaw, whoever comes out of that quarter. 
and then you and I, I think, would match up well with South Dakota State. They could get to the quarterfinal against JMU. And then Illinois State, I believe, matches favorably with Central Arkansas. So they could get up there into NDSU's quarterfinal. Ooh, we had the opposite. We actually had SEMO beating Illinois State and Central Arkansas because of Illinois State's injuries. Well, whoever comes out of that game has a good shot against Central Arkansas. I will say that. Yep. <laughs> we were like, that's probably the weaker of the eight seeds. So um, that that portion, you know, if you're looking at who you want to play in an eight seed, you know, I'd be pretty happy if I was SEMO right now with the bracket that they got. Yeah, we uh, we really hammered home that Central Arkansas has lost to Nichols and lost to Southeastern Louisiana. Um, who are actually playoff teams, Lawrence. You missed that earlier. So it's like if they've already lost the two playoff teams, the odds of them as a seed getting beat by somebody else, you know, that's, uh, that could definitely happen. So, all right, guys, uh, Patrick Parker and Richard Dean want to know, they're both in different question form. They're surprised that to see four of the eight seeds are Big Sky teams. Kyler, you covered this a little bit with the Valley and what happened last week causing this. Want to jump into your conference and, like, why these eight seeds, four of them are the Big Sky? Well, they're, they're the four most deserving. I mean, if you look at who's deserving of a seed, each one of them, Weber, Satan's Axe State, they have only one FCS loss, and they are all two-seeded teams. Then you look at Montana, they have two FCS losses, and they're all two-seeded teams. And then Montana State, they have two FCS losses. Um, you know, they, they lost to Sac State, who is a seeded team, and then they lost to North Dakota, who is a playoff team, but then they have a win over a seeded team. If you're just judging it on resumes, the Big Sky strength of schedule is already higher than pretty much the whole FCS this year, and they all have two or less FCS losses when the rest of the field, you know, is, is tipping on two to three FCS losses. So if, if you're thinking who deserves the top eight seeds, these four Big Sky teams absolutely deserve it, to be honest. Yeah, the thing is, if you don't include one of the four in the seeds, you kind of can't include any of them. Like, maybe Montana State has the the weakest argument for a seed out of the four. But, you know, if you don't include Montana State, then you're going to say, well, they did, you know, they kicked Montana's ass this week. So now we can't seed Montana. And, you know, they kicked the crap out of Weber, so we can't seed Weber. Um so, like Kyler said, I think all four are certainly deserving. There's not really a good argument against any of them. Yeah, I just don't know who you would put over any of them, to be honest, you know, outside of the people who weren't seated or even, you know, UCA or South Dakota State who did get seated. I think those would be under those four Big Sky teams as well. Yeah, I think the committee nailed it on this one, actually. That was going to be my final kind of comment, too, was South Dakota State and Central Arkansas is kind of the, those are the curious ones, right? We're not even really questioning Montana, Montana State, Weaver, and them. So I don't think it's shocking at all. Like, sure, they're all in the same conference, but SDSU and Central Arkansas are the ones people will toss around and debate on. I don't think many people are really questioning those other four. So I think they did a good job in selecting those ones. All right, guys, last few ones here. Preston Adams wants to know, is this one of the most balanced brackets we've seen in a while? Kyler, you've already said, um, yep, you really like the bracket. You have a few problems with the seeds, but you love it overall. So just Lawrence here, what do you think on Preston's question? Just you kind of just caught everything. What do you think about it? Is it look balanced to you? Look good? Um, the James Madison half of the bracket is a little tougher. Um, so I don't know if balanced is really the, you know, the the best word to use, but it's a good bracket. I don't have any problem with the bracket. 
Yeah, I agree with Lawrence. I don't think this is 100%, you know, balanced in terms of that. I just think if you had to pick 24 teams who probably have the best shot to be in the playoffs, I think the committee did an overall good job with that. But in terms of like balance compared to recent years or whatnot, I don't think there's 24 teams who actually are playoff worthy teams this year. And then James, James Madison side, in my opinion, is much tougher than the left side. So I, I don't think it is overall balanced. It's just the committee did a good job with their selections in general. It just really has to be right now with a, you're kind of looking at established known name programs, James Madison side and more newcomer slash we're unsure about you on NDSU side. So if you kind of look at it just this year, especially with Jabor Gibbs out, like I don't think South Dakota State's a threat to JMU. You and I, not really. Montana has their issues. Uh, Weber's a good team. Definitely JMU side is tougher. I'm going to acknowledge that. But I think it's mostly in our heads right now because we're like, oh my gosh, we all know who Montana and you and I and SDSU is. And NDSU, you're like, wait, okay, Albany's in there and Austin P, Sac State, you know, all these other things. So that definitely is going to affect the perception, I think. But I'm also not denying I'd rather be on NDSU side than JMU side if I was just like, I want to go to Frisco. So uh, last few ones here, guys, uh, two from Preston Adams, and then we're going to finish up with a great one from Jacob Martinez. Actually, we'll go Jacobs right now. KSU versus Wofford, defensive heavy, low scoring game like last year, or does Wofford pull away this time? Uh, Kennesaw State's rush defense is top 10. Wofford's is 49 with a much stronger strength of schedule, of course. So that might balance things out. That's going to be a slugfest. Kyle, you've talked about it a little bit already. We'll rehash you after I get Lawrence's opinions on the two triple option teams, Lawrence. Kennesaw and Wofford, who do you think wins that game to go play Weber State? I think Wofford will take this one. Um, and just because of the nature of two triple option teams, I don't know if we're ever going to get to like a blowout status. But I think in terms of their offenses, that Wofford will win fairly comfortably. Maybe... 14 17 points or so kyler are you on the wofford the terrier train too or are you thinking kennesaw can pull it off um look look wofford just played a triple option team this last week in the citadel the citadel beat an acc school this year wofford i think i watched them i watched the whole game last week or this you know on saturday i think they are overall the more physical team over kennesaw i think they are overall the more athletic team over kennesaw right now and I, I think Wofford will win. I'm not sure if I would give them a 17-point favorite, you know, like Lawrence possibly said. I, I do think it'll maybe be a 10, 7 to 10-point lead. But I think uh, Wofford's going to control the game. I, I'm just not overly sold on Kennesaw being a playoff caliber team this year, and Wofford definitely is. And Wofford's going to end up hosting this game, obviously. They have won their last eight FCS games, killing people. Um, they destroyed Furman at home. Not destroyed, 24-7, but they whooped them. Um, so I think Wofford's playing really good and people forget Wofford was top 10 preseason and they had those two early drops to Samford and South Carolina state and they're back in it. So South Carolina state be one of those last teams out too. So look out for Wofford in that bracket and guys that kind of leads into Sacramento state because Preston Adams wants to know if Wofford had gotten a seed, would that have allowed Sacramento state to have getting gotten into the field? What do you think about that, Kyler? Do you think Sac, uh, South Carolina State actually has a chance to get in there um, if Wofford takes that eight seed? I just don't, and it, it's mainly because of their strength of schedule as a whole. You know, they have two FCS losses. That is a good win, um, and their losses aren't bad. They lost to, I believe, North Carolina A&T and, um, you know, Florida uh, 
F- FMA or whatever, Florida A and AMU or something like that. Um, which FAMU. yeah, FAMU. There you go. Which you know is a top fifteen team. You know they could even have an argument to be top ten, uh, but they're on postseason ban. Um, I just I did not have South Carolina State as in one of my bubble teams because I, I just don't think overall their strength of schedule and they were deserving. So no, even if Wofford was ranked, I still don't think South Carolina State did enough to warrant a playoff bid. Those last four in, it kind of stinks for them because the, each of them you can nitpick arguments to get them in, but you can also nitpick those arguments to get them out. Well, and, and you think of it this way, you know, the MIAC, they were the third best team in the MIAC this year. The MIAC is typically a one max conference, most of the time zero. Do you think this year all of a sudden the MIAC deserves three, three you know, playoff caliber teams? I think NCA and T could have been it, but uh, with FAMU, you know, getting their postseason ban, uh, the second place team from the MIAC is going to the Celebration Bowl, and I just don't think the MIAC is a three-team conference. So I think that hurts their chances already. Good, good stuff. All right, guys, last one here, mostly for Lawrence and me. Preston's finishing us off. He had a great job uh, blowing, up, blowing us up with questions when we asked for him last second. Uh, Lawrence, he wants to know, put on your fan cap. How do you feel about your team's chances to make it to Frisco based on potential matchups and styles you'll be seeing? Um, with my fan cap on, North Dakota State, I have been receiving texts and sending them. We feel very similar to 2017 when the bracket came out and we said, oh man, we're going to get new teams in the Dome. We're going to get new chances at uh, you know, new styles, new opportunities. The fans are going to be rowdy. I just think the bracket is very beneficial for North Dakota State. I think Montana State or Sac State could be a nervous one for us come semifinals. But I, I, I think NDSU has a very, very good shot. As a fan, I'm super confident NDSU is going to go to Frisco. Uh, Lawrence, what do you think about James Madison? I am 100% confident that JMU will beat either Monmouth or Holy Cross. I am like 90% confident that we would beat South Dakota State, UNI, or San Diego. Really, the only team right now that worries me the slightest bit is Weber State. So I think JMU is an easy semifinals team, in my opinion. And I would, even though I'm a little bit nervous about that Weber State uh, potential matchup, I would take JMU pretty easily in that game. So I'm with you. I think it's going to be a fun playoff. We're going to see some uh, familiar faces. Um, We could see some, definitely going to see some new teams. JMU has not played Monmouth or Holy Cross. Um, So I'm excited about the challenges that are going to come up and I will see you in Frisco. However, that was, that was true before the bracket came out too. (laughs) Yes. We have uh, we can't act now like, yeah, I bought my tickets in January, February, because I was confident in my team. If JMU and NDSU go, because as you guys know, as we wrap up this podcast, the admins will be in Frisco. Um, We will be there with Mr. Chris Hammond. It's going to be awesome. And it's going to be a good time down there drinking beers, regardless of who's there. So Guys, the playoffs are among among us. What we will be doing for the page is the playoff bracket challenge. We do this every year. We allow the winner of the bracket to pick a team hat, and we send them the hat as the winners. So we do the point system, like two points for the first round, four for the second, things like that. We're going to be posting that soon, so make sure you get your brackets in. Um, I'll be doing all the grading. I'll make sure we get our prize winners out there. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, pick them challenges. Lawrence, is that wrapping up, or are we going to run that through the playoffs as well? Uh, Pickham will be going through the national championship game. 
Awesome. So we're going to have a lot more fun stuff on the page, guys. The playoffs are among us. That is all the time we have for this afternoon. I hope you enjoyed the instant reaction, the instant emotion. Kyler, any last thoughts before we close her down? I got nothing. Um, yeah, I just think the committee, besides the seating, did an overall exceptional job where, you know, normally I think they do a great job with the seedings, but there's a couple teams that shouldn't be in the playoff field. I think the committee did an overall exceptional job picking the tw the 24 best teams to represent, you know, the FCS playoffs. So I'm happy. I'm excited to drink beers with you guys in about a month, month and a half or whatever. So, yeah, um, it should be a fun playoff, and I am stress-free this year in the playoffs. It, it's going to be stressful for some, stress-free for others. It's going to be a good time. All right, guys, thanks so much for joining us, whether you're listening to us in the morning, in the afternoon, or in the evening. Thank you so much for subscribing to our FCS Football Fans Nation podcast. Throw us a review, a five-star, and enjoy your Thanksgiving weekend, and enjoy the FCS football next to that turkey and leftover stuffing and dressing and everything else. Have a good one, guys. We'll catch you on the next podcast after round one. Boom. It, it's still casserole, not hot dish, just for the record.